Our scripture reading this morning is from Exodus chapter 6, verse 1 through 12. And our sermon today is entitled, God's Promises, Deliverance, His Outstretched Arm. And this is the word of the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. God said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, where they resided as foreigners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm, and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians, and I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I will give it to you as a possession I am Yahweh. Moses reported this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and harsh labor. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the Israelites go out of his country. But Moses said to the Lord, If the Israelites will not listen to me, why would Pharaoh listen to me, since I speak with faltering lips? May the Lord bless us in the reading of his holy word. Good morning, once again, brothers and sisters. Good morning to the Emory students who have returned as well. Before we start this message, I just want you to welcome each other in the Lord once again. Just look to the left, look to the right, and just say, hello, welcome, good to see you. It truly is a blessing to gather as God's people. You know, this isn't like a concert where everyone's supposed to just look at me and you get something out of me. But this is a place of worship. And we worship together as brothers and sisters in Christ. We sing to the Lord with our lips together to God himself. And when we hear each other praising the Lord and when we hear each other lifting prayers to God, we know that the Lord not only works in us as individuals, but we see God's corporate hand at work, that he wants to gather his people together to worship him, that he wants you to know one another and to love one another in the Lord, that you can say to each other, I need your prayers. My faith is faltering. 
Hey, I need your prayers. My family is going through a rough patch. Hey, I need you to rejoice with me. Because my child just sang, God is, uh, um, uh, 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 God is faithful with me. I want you to rejoice with me. For I've seen God's mighty hand in my family at work. To be able to walk together in Christ is what this church is about. And the Lord himself has put in your hearts that desire. When the Spirit comes into your life, not only does the Spirit regenerate you so that you would know the Lord himself, but that same Spirit that saves you is that same Spirit that will gather you to a community and your longing to be with someone who knows the Lord and who will allow you to grow in the Lord in God's timing. To have grace and mercy. To have a sense of humor, a lightness of spirit. Because you know that God himself from eternity to eternity has saved you. And is right now saving you as well. So welcome to our humble church. Welcome to a place with lots of different stories. Welcome to the place where not everything goes smoothly. But welcome to a place where we hope you see God and his hand at work. As we continue part two of our series, our series on Exodus 1 through 18, let me remind us once again about how we approach the Old Testament and the importance of it as God's people. Remember, all of us here today know the end of the story. It's like going back and reading all of Harry Potter, right? You know the ending. You know what's going to happen. And in many ways, the ending, the, 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 the climax of the story, that's where we, we feel as if we are living. That story of Jesus himself and his, his death, his birth, his death, and his resurrection. We know that he has sent his Holy Spirit to us and that we who believe in Christ have been made new. We know that his love and his mercy and his forgiveness is with us and is in us. And we live in the light of that final act of God himself. So there are people who will say, why do we need the Old Testament? There are also people who will say, why do we need certain books in the New Testament? That all we need is simply one story in the Gospels. The story of Christ and his sacrifice. And that should be more than sufficient for us as Christians to stand upon. But the Lord has been gracious to us. That he doesn't just give us sort of a fortune cookie of our faith. But the Lord has given us this long narrative. From the beginning of creation to the end of creation. This is to demonstrate to you and to I, to, to myself, that God himself is Lord over all things, over all time. 
that there was never a time where God was not present in the beginning. And there never will be a time where God is not present in the future. And that your story is linked with the story of redemption or the story of all of history. And that this story belongs to you and to me. Imagine if someone just gave you the last 50 pages of Harry Potter. You might enjoy it. You might understand it. But the fullness of that final battle, the fullness of the suffering, the fullness of, of the way that the writer has, has, has shown the, the friend's struggle to that time, it's not the same. God himself here in Exodus and in the Old Testament gives us these stories that we may rejoice fully in the birth, the death, and the resurrection of Christ. And so as we look into Exodus, the main point of the story is not for us to say, wow, look what God did in the past. That's wonderful. Tell me how I should live now. The main point of the Old Testament isn't to simply say, wow, this is how God treated Moses. Maybe God should treat me like that as well. The main point of the Old Testament is for you to say, if this is how God worked then, how great, great it is the way he worked in Jesus and how great is our salvation today. Now you'll be hearing me say this every week in different ways, but this is important. I want you to fall in love, not just with the gospels, but with the entire story of God's redemption. Now here, the Lord says to Moses, you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Now Moses had already gone to Pharaoh and said, basically, let my people go. But Pharaoh wasn't going to have any of it. Pharaoh said to, to Moses and, or to the Israelites and said, basically, why do you want to leave Egypt, go to a place and worship your God? The reason why you want to take this vacation it's because you're lazy. That's right, you're lazy. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to keep the same quota of the number of bricks that you are to build. That's what they were there for. But I will no longer give you the straw that you need to build those bricks. So basically, it doubled their work. Not only did they have to make the bricks, but they had to, to go find the material, the straw, to make it. And the people of Israel were discouraged. It says that they become a stench unto Pharaoh himself. And they went to Moses and said, Moses, you went to Pharaoh to say, let my people go so that we can worship. We thought that they would he would listen to you and we would go on our merry way and worship the Lord. But you actually made things worse for us, God. 
Moses, you made things worse for us. Now we have to work harder. And when we don't, when we don't reach the quota, they will punish us. Why do you have to say anything? And here the Lord talks with Moses a second time. And he reiterates his promises. He reiterates what he said to Moses in the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3. He says once again, I will deliver my people because of my mighty hand, Pharaoh will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, Pharaoh will not only let them go, will drive them out of his own country. And Moses again has amnesia. You know, whenever I read Exodus, I'm just, I just don't understand this man. Think about it. If you were standing before God, and you saw him manifest in a bush that did not burn, that would be quite a sight. And not only a bush that doesn't burn, but that you actually hear the voice of God speaking with you. I don't know about you, but I mean, that's more impressive than any magic show in, in, in Las Vegas. And not only did he hear God's voice, he interacted with God. Remember? He's like, what if Pharaoh doesn't listen to me? What, what, what are you going to do? He goes, I'll give you three signs. And then Moses speaks up again and says, well, I'm not very good with my words. You know, can you basically find someone else to do it? God was angry, but he said, okay, I'll give you Aaron to go with you. And yet Moses, seeing God face to face, still was weak, still was questioning God still did not believe that God himself will fulfill his promises to deliver Israel. And so for at this moment, it looks like perhaps Moses has a point. Things have gotten worse. But God has a way of being steadfast about who he is and what he will do. And that he will do things according to his time, according to his wisdom. And he will do these things because he is a God who keeps his covenants, keeps his promises unto his people. So as we go and look at this passage, we see once again God reiterating what he had said in Exodus chapter First, he tells them, Moses and Aaron, remember, I have revealed my name to you, Yahweh. This is my personal name that I've given unto you. You will no longer see me simply as a God who is from afar, but you will see me as a God who is near. A God who is personal, God who has revealed himself unto you. 
in many ways, it's, it's like the way that we interact with our families and our, and our parents, but just a little bit different. None of you here call your parents by your first name. At least you shouldn't. But all of you will call your parents mom or dad. And what's beautiful about that, as we all know, is that no one else can call your mom mom or your dad dad it would be strange for me if one of these kids came up to me and said hey dad I'm not your dad but the personal revelation of God's name Yahweh has that same effect that we ourselves, we've been brought near to God, that God himself has revealed himself as Yahweh, and that we can draw close to him, and he has drawn close to us. If this is our Father in heaven, if this is the one who has drawn near to us, if this is the one who's faithful to us, will he ever, ever push us away? Will he ever, ever break that beautiful relationship between him and Israel? And the answer is no. It is why he revealed that name unto the Israelites. I am who I am. I am Yahweh. What's interesting in this passage, it says that that um, God himself did not reveal that this name to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob yet. And so here in Exodus, we see a further closeness of God and the desire for Israel to know that I am near, I am with you. The second thing that God says as a reminder to his people is that I am the same God who's been faithful to your ancestors. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I often wonder if we got rid of that phrase in the Old Testament, especially in, in, uh, in Genesis or Exodus, how much shorter the Bible would be. Just because that's reiterated over and over and over and over again. I could see that if I said something like this, my kids would say, Dad, I know, just stop it. I know, I know who we are. But God himself in his, from his very lips unto Moses has to remind them, do you remember Abraham and my faithfulness to him? Do you remember Isaac, my faithfulness to him? Do you remember Jacob, my faithfulness to him? Do you remember how I appeared to them, loved them, nurtured them? Remember how I fulfilled my promises in them? I am that God. And although things might look worse for you right now in Egypt, Know that I who delivered them will deliver you as well. I am not some God who just appeared out of thin air. 
to gain your allegiance. I'm not someone in the past who has disappeared from you. I've always been present. I am that same God who has made those promises with you. Now, perhaps you're like Moses in a sense, because I know that even for myself, when I hear the promises of God, I'm like, okay, I'll go through the list real quickly, but God help me today. But God wants you and me to stop thinking about your worries of today and start remembering about the God who's been faithful and faithful always. The third thing that we see here that we saw in Exodus chapter 3 is that God says that I've heard the groanings of my people. This means that God is present today, that God not only remembers, that God not only wants you to remember all those things in the past, to remember his character, to remember that he will deliver, but to know that God is cognizant of all your worries and all the issues that are happening today. He hears the groaning of the Israelites, that they are enslaved by the Egyptians, that they want to be free to worship their God, And God says, when I hear their groanings, I remember my name that I've given to you. I remember my covenants and my promises that I've given to you. And I will act with a mighty hand to enter into their suffering. You see, if you read the Old Testament, you will see this wonderful sort of wave or even the cycle of God's mighty hand and God's redemption. And then the people of God turning away from him. And then God's people groaning, remembering perhaps their sins, or perhaps just suffering. And then God himself says, I hear, and God comes back with mighty hand again to redeem. And this wave, the cycle keeps going. And as we read the Old Testament, the, the, the question that we have is, when is the cycle ever going to end? Or is it going to end? And God foreshadows this in a beautiful way. He talks about the fact that he will save the people of Israel with his outstretched arm and his mighty acts. Remember here in, in Exodus, and we'll go over this a little bit detail down the road, but the Lord sends 10 plagues upon Egypt. I don't know if you can name all 10 right now, but all 10 plagues. His mighty acts to show Israel Pharaoh, the Egyptians, that he is present, that he is acting. And this picture of God with an outstretched arm is a picture of God who is involved in the affairs of men and women, who is not a God who is aloof, who simply created all things and said, 
figure it out. But he is a God who desires all men and all people to know him as the one who created all things. To know that fellowship with him, to worship him, is the joy of all humanity. And so God reaches with an outstretched arm. So there is no doubt by Pharaoh, by the Egyptians, by the Israelites, or even Moses and Aaron, that this salvation, the deliverance from Egypt, is by God's hand and by God's hand alone. There is no doubt that God has been at work. God works in many ways, mysterious ways. There's no way that we can divine the purposes of all of our sufferings or the purposes of all the difficulties in our lives. But one thing that we do know is that often God allows these things to happen so that when God does bless, when God does deliver according to to his wisdom, that we ourselves in our hearts can only simply say, this is God who delivered me. It's no one else. This is God who saved me. No one else. When someone approaches you and says, why do you believe in Jesus? Your words would be something like, I don't know. It's just, God has taken a hold of me. That's all I know. You see, when God's outstretched arm touches God's people, we are changed to the core. This is why people go to the ends of the earth to share the good news of Jesus. This is why Jesus warns that when you come to know him, families may be separated, but the Lord will bless you with mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters even more because of God's people. You will leave jobs, dreams, to approach God and to follow his dreams and his kingdom. Why? Because you know that it's only by God and his mighty hand that you have been saved. You see this picture of this outstretched arm of God delivering his people. We see that picture all through the Old Testament. And then we see that picture fully embodied in Jesus himself. Jesus who says, I am the the great I am. I am Yahweh in the flesh. We see him walk about in his ministry 
And in Luke chapter 5, we have this beautiful story of a, of a leper who comes to Jesus. And Jesus basically says, why are you here? And, and the leper says, if you are willing, you can heal me. And Jesus stretches out his arm. And he heals him. A Jesus who walks amongst us, who allows people to touch him. Jesus who could have healed just with his words, touches people with his hands, makes mud out of dirty, heal a man's eyes. A Jesus who loves and embraces, who stretches out his arms in loving mercy to the people who come to him. Jesus is involved, and Jesus continues to be involved. the last mighty work of our God himself, of Jesus himself, was on that day that he received the outstretched arm of God's judgment by stretching out his own arms on the cross to receive the full wrath of God himself. This was not simply the ten plagues that he received. But he was the Passover lamb who took on our punishment to save you from your rebellion against him. so that he could come to you with arms, with welcoming arms to all of you who need a Savior, who need Jesus, who need forgiveness, who need hope, who need direction, who need purpose. God's kingdom is here. God's kingdom is working. In God's kingdom today, through his spirit and through you and I, he is out using us as his arms and his feet to go and to tell the world. We are his people. We are his words. We are his acts. The church himself, CCPC, this particular church, we are to go and tell people about the goodness of Christ himself. We are to go and love and to embrace people about the gospel himself, that they too can be saved, that Jesus himself is welcoming them to come, to repent and believe, and to have life here and life everlasting. This is the God that we worship. This is the God that we serve. The Old Testament is beautiful. The life of Moses is beautiful. His acts are beautiful. They seem too marvelous or just um, unreachable 
to our, our minds today. Too fantastical. But even more fantastic to Moses and to Aaron is the fact that you get to live the most glorious time of redemptive history. You who believe in Christ have inside of you the very Spirit of God when you believed. Moses would have traded in seeing the burning bush, the flame with his eyes, to have what you have, the Spirit himself, the fire of God living in you. So next time you watch Prince of Egypt, next time you read the story of Exodus and say, wow, I wish I lived in this time, just remember, you live in the most blessed time of all of history. Praise the Lord that you know Jesus. Praise the Lord for the Spirit of God that lives in you. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you. You are and you alone are good. Lord, in many ways, we are like Moses and Aaron and like the Israelites. We are people who know in our minds the promises of God, your promises, but our hearts are quick to forget. But unlike the people in the Old Testament, Lord, we have your spirit that lives in us, that constantly reminds us and brings us back to you. We know that we are still fallen creatures, but we are also saved creatures. And so we ask of you, Lord God, to help us, your people, to not only remember your goodness, but to delight in it and to respond to it. Give us thankful hearts, merciful hearts, loving hearts, serving hearts. May we be your hands and your feet. May this world know through us, Lord, that you reign and that your kingdom is good. So thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your, this time together. Thank you, Lord, for this church. In Christ's name we pray.